You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-host is Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Alina moderating the chat. We are back. So welcome, everybody. We are running this in conjunction with uh, Connecting the Universe every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And uh, I hope to see some new faces along with the ones that have been following us for all this time. So Alexandra Holser is our first guest on the return show. So thank you, Alex, for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure having you aboard. So uh, welcome, my friend. Thank you. How are you yeah, both? Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want he, the truth? No. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go yeah. there, shall we? You've yeah, just got right. awesome. Don't want to scare people away. Yeah, keeping crazy busy. Oh, I do have to throw out the, um, uh, for those that are listening to the podcast version later, please, of course, join us every Wednesday night for the live version of the show, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday nights, uh, ConnectedUniversePortal.com, or the public version, which runs on my YouTube channel, Mike Ricksecker. Uh, it's the old Honda Road Media channel. Uh, but I do invite you all out to the Connected Universe, uh, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. And, of course, Egypt trip next year, Stargates of Ancient Egypt uh, in April. The world still exists at that point. We shall see. <laughs> it will, just different. <laughs> just different, just different. But that's a topic for another time. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about the Amityville Curse, which is the new movie that was uh, Alex. You're the executive producer on this film. It's based off of your father's work, The Amityville Curse. <laughs> yes, there it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about this. Yes. Well, um, 33 <laughs> years ago, hmm, um, 33 years ago in uh, 1991, thereabouts, um, my father's book, The Andrewville Curse, got optioned for film for TV. And so uh, it was a Canadian production and they put it out and um, then it kind of circled back around. I don't know. I'm looking at my hair. It's terrible. What is happening? No, no, you're, you're oh, my God. I swear to God, I can't anymore. <laughs> Okay, so this is what I do. I'm not normal. <laughs> um, so that happened. And so this wonderful production company um, from Montreal connected, uh, contacted me. And we went through the process of, you know, we want to do this again. Yet this time it's now for Tubi. And of course, Tubi didn't exist 33 years ago. So right. um, one thing led to another. And basically 
they teamed up with a really, really great writer named uh, Dennis Heaton. Now, Dennis Heaton has had two shows on Netflix, one of which was called The Imperfects. Um, and he's uh, on Twitter, you know, so anybody that's interested can look look him up. But um, he's a really great writer and um, he does comedy. That's like his, his passion. You know, we all have our passions of what we like, you know, but um, he also does horror and, and so forth. So he was um, chosen to write the script for the new uh, Amityville Curse film. And what was really cool was I had to dig through my father's files to look for a synopsis, a treatment, which could be, you know, uh, a couple of pages. But of course, with my father, it was like 12 pages. <laughs> And so the head of development and pro producer of Incendo um, in Canada was like, um, so this is kind of 12 pages. I said, yeah, that's what that's what I have, um, because they really wanted it to kind of go along the same line of the characters that my father created uh, for the story that he created. So it's fiction so that people understand he was. Um, a researcher on uh, the Amityville case with Ethel Johnson Mayers, who was a medium that he brought for that particular case. But he also wrote uh, three books off of the story fiction based because he was also creative. So I think sometimes people have a, a hard time understanding that, you know, he's not just a ghost hunter. He was, you know, he wrote Broadway musicals. He sold some. Mm -hmm. He just was that that Renaissance kind of man, if you will. And, yeah, um, and even with uh, like this one murder in amityville it's not really like you know, ghosts it's a it's really about the case itself and that was turned into uh amityville to the possession mm -hmm. a cult classic film and so this was the second book that was optioned in the series of my father's except this one was based on yeah. fictitious characters yeah. where they go and they want to you know it's it's now it's modernized so the amityville curse film that's out you know, now is, is been modernized, reimagined for the generations there now. So for us, you know, we look at it, it's a little bit different, but for the generation that we have, you know, like my son's 18 and his friends and they watched and they really liked it, you know, cause they like that kind of, that kind of stuff, you know, the way that it was filmed. Um, and it's, it's got a, a mix of different types of characters in there, but it's the, the people that my father created and the storyline. So they want to flip the house. And that's a thing, right? So um, that's kind of how the, the premise of the story begins. And of course, it's an evil house. So shocker. Um, but so then, you know, <laughs> so we, you know, we started going through the process and it, it kind of took a year to get there because the air date, you know, kind of got pushed back when it was going to be in spring. So then it had aired, uh, I believe, May 28th, finally. And of course, it's a 2B original. And 2B, you know, has a huge range of films, not just licensing of films that we used to watch when we were younger or, and new stuff, but they have their original slot. And mm -hmm. I've done a few things for them already uh, for the past two years. And so, you know, I said, you know, I need to be an executive producer on this. I'd, I'd like that opportunity because, you know, so they were very kind and said, yes, yes, yes. And so I was yeah. involved, which was nice. And of course, what I love is when you watch the film, the opening credits, they actually gave my father his own space and then they gave me my own space. And you don't really see that. 
credits roll, like when I had that TV show, I'm like mm -hmm. lost at the bottom somewhere, you know, archival right. courtesy photos, whatever of Alexander Holzer. You know, but here, yeah, because they had a they had a list of producers, but they gave you your own executive producer, Alexander Holzer. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, uh, your father there, course, you know, based on his work. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, I, I really, it's it just was a good vibe all around. They're great people, and we're actually fingers crossed have another book of my father's. Hmm. So, mm -hmm, which is fiction. There is another Amityville book called The Secret of Amityville, but the problem with that. Um, for them, it doesn't mean for somebody else it wouldn't be, is he also created another storyline where um, it brings in the Native Americans. And so, you know, it depends. Some people are very touchy about that. But for me, it's right. like, but it's factual information. And then he created The Secret of Amityville, and it's a really great fictional book. So I have that on the side, too, just because I have to find the right home for it. But we are looking at another one of my father's books right now, actually going into a year yet again. And hopefully we're coming full circle to that to see if, if they're going to want it or not. So, Well, that's great. It sounds like you have a, you know, a lot of irons in the fire there with this. And, you know, it's um, I think it's something that over the decades, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation. I thought that was interesting in the film that, you know, they kind of they mentioned a lot of the different rumors, legends, folklore, all that about the house uh, that it are actually true to what we've, you know, witnessed and experienced here over the past 50 years. Jeez, is it really that long? Um, <laughs> Boy. So, yeah, yeah, let's not age ourselves. Um, yeah. So, uh, so Alex, um, what is your take? on what goes on at this house because your your family's been intimately involved with it for a long time now well here's the thing um you know you can change the decor of the outside of the house which of course was done a while back changing the shape of the windows and if you mm -hmm. actually drive around and not just long island but if you go to connecticut or massachusetts there are homes that have the same style uh window frames Sure. It it was something of I think of the 70s. It was just a popular structure to have. And they were like anything else, like bell bottoms, you know. Oh, let's put these like little quarter moon windows in. It was a stylistic architectural choice and trend for that time. But um my my whole feeling is that it's you know, it's a beautiful house on on the water and it's got its own boating slip and plenty of space for a big family, you know, um, we have a big family, so I can appreciate that. And mm -hmm. all the amenities, the town's beautiful. Long Island's great. Parts of it, like everything else is good and bad. But the whole frustrating part is that a horrific murder took place and it's, it's very seated and sorted because there's a lot of things that my father didn't go near. He was not a detective in that sense. He was a paranormal detective, Right. But that wasn't his job. Um, other people have come forward with information and done research and going back now because at a time you couldn't access the police records. They wouldn't let you. And nobody wanted to say anything because this horrific um, murder, you know, multiple murders put a blemish on the town that was becoming a boating and fishing town and um nothing bad ever happened there you know that same old story this is this is mm -hmm. this doesn't happen here 
So um, it kind of ruined that. And, you know, mayor and officials and police, they just didn't want any more attention to it. And I can understand that. But you couldn't get the records. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. So there were people that finally got access. Um, I actually um, joined in on an experiment with a film producer. Um, he also spoke to another psychic. I didn't know who she was. You know, everybody has the ability. So, but um, if you want it. Yeah. Um, and I had picked up on a second handgun, like I think like a little 38 special or something. And um, then he did the experiment with this other lady and um, picked up on the same thing. And then he had um, gotten a really great team together, a diving team that does these expeditions to go and, and look for things and pulled up a second handgun from that canal, not far from the house. So aside from the, the bloody rag and the trash can, you know, mm -hmm. um, in that area. So there's a lot of mystique to it, but my father's role in it was really the aftermath of what happens when something like this happens in a location. In this mm -hmm. case, the structure is a home, but this can happen like, you know, like the battle of Gettysburg in out in the open. So it doesn't really matter, but his focus was on the land itself because the original house was moved over to that land, that parcel. Right. Yeah. Back in the 1800s, it was farmland. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I remember as a kid on the highway seeing these houses being moved. You ever see that? The house, like houses driving by. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, is somebody in there? What is that? <laughs> Can they do that? So, you know, um, that house was relocated to that parcel, but that parcel, that area had problems. Um, potentially a curse, you know? So that's, I think how all that kind of got started. And then you add this, this horrific moment in time in 1974, my father goes there. I mean, when 1974, and then he goes to 1977, this happens in the early seventies and it resonates mm -hmm. outward, you know? Yeah. And so, but that wasn't the original location of the house. And um, there's a lot of facts that my father had proven and shown about the Shinnecock Indians in the area and the head chief. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of gotten to the point where people still don't even understand that, you know, he was proven correct after all and took a lot of heat for coming out and, and saying, this is what this is. This is what I found. You know, he was never about, well, I think it could be this. It's like, this is what I found like it or not. And um, I was on MGM Plus. I did um, Amityville, an origin story where we were in uh, episode two. And my father and I got the, the bulk of that episode. Of course, it didn't really serve justice for him because he has a whole film that he made on that case. And they right. really didn't show it. I think like three minutes of it. So mm -hmm. I still have that. Um, but his work on the case was very different than I believe what the truth is of what happened, which you're dealing with the mob the family's involvement right. um, that there was more than one person that was involved in the crime. I think that, you know, maybe that Ronnie was a, a patsy and took the fall, you know, well, um, a lot of the, um, cause you're also involved with that, uh, that documentary uh, shattered hopes, which covered a lot of that material, which I thought was a fascinating series. The, the three well, different uh, parts. That's the man I was Ryan Katzenbach, um, he was the mm -hmm. one that tested me as a medium just to see if I would pick anything up. And um, he 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 was hardcore on facts. 
it was mm -hmm. it was trying to understand who these people were um where did they come from what is that history because you have to understand that there, there was a lot of mob activities and ties there was a lot of abuse going on there are i'm sure neighbors and people who maybe knew of the the family at the time they did speak on that documentary that i just mentioned some came out for the first time but you know you really don't know what's going on just because you have dinner at their house one night you yeah. really don't know what's going on behind closed doors and i believe that that family kept to themselves to some degree i think that maybe the kids didn't know half of what was really going on and because he was the oldest he had his own issues doing drugs god knows what you know um there are just people born bad and they just can't flip and understand the error of their ways and but i really feel that you know through that research with shattered hopes i mean you really start to see the crime element and you really start to put together um this is just a seated situation and maybe somebody owed somebody money and this was a, a robbery or a crime gone bad you know you don't know yeah. it seems more sorted to me that that's the direction and you know Occam's razor. Now, the aftermath of the murders is when my father comes in and then does the, the paranormal side of things where that makes sense because any kind of abrupt end to your life creates the possibility of lingering around confused. Mm -hmm. So that's where you have all that. And he had a lot of great uh, Polaroid photography where these bullet holes show up with the halo glow around them. And, you know, you just look at this and you're like, they're communicating with you. Whoever is still around that's able to communicate is showing you all this stuff, you know, and that's the paranormal side of it. But mm -hmm. it took all those murders to take place for that involvement on his end. But the other part yeah. of it was all crime. And I think it all kind of got convoluted and mixed into it's a haunted house versus people were murdered. There's a crime. But they, they both run parallel, you know, the crimes happen that created the murders that creates a potential haunting. My father said that the house wasn't haunted. It had to do with the aftermath that would create the haunting, but eventually would dissipate. It would move on. The energy would move on. And there've been pre you know, owners since then that haven't said anything. They haven't come. There's no issues because the house right. itself isn't the problem. Unlike in the Amityville curse, the house is the problem. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in the movie that, and I watched it the other night. Yeah, it was you know the, the house. <laughs> I loved um, it, by the way. I have, I have a couple of questions before you go any further, um, since you're talking about the crime. Um, you were talking about the second gun. Did they ever test the ballistics of it to see if they were actually used in um, um, the murders? They took the gun away from Ryan. Nassau County Police confiscated the gun and said that that would be evidence or part of a crime scene or they don't know but they they took the gun from him i think he had to wait a very long time for it to be released and i haven't spoken to him in a long time so i don't even know if they released the gun back to him because technically finders keepers and he paid a lot of money to have this diving team go down yeah. and do this so yeah. i don't know where the boundaries are for for who gets what but they did take it from him because he had to he disclosed it and um Okay. My other question is, in the movie, they kept saying, I'm going to burn the damn house down and salt the land. Do you think that um, the land is cursed? And if so, how are they ever going to get rid of that? Because, I mean, if it's been going on for generations now. You know. Well, I don't know. You would think that I would have been there a lot of times and stuff, but we only drove by there once to do the interview for 
a couple of years back, three years back. Now. And I, it was the first time that I literally was in front of the house. Um, I've driven by it my whole life going out to Long Island. Um, but I kind of, you know, my husband and I just stopped for me. He's like, go look at that house, you know? So I'm looking and I'm like, okay. And I'm trying to pick up something, anything, but you can't force it. And I'm like, you know what? It's a really lovely street. It's a lovely home. The property's kept up. Um, there's, you know, four cars in the driveway. It looks, it looks fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the problem I have, and this is just personal for me is I, I would have a hard time moving into a home where there was a murder. I just, because as a sensitive, I would be so empathetic to that loss of life. I wouldn't want to walk into that because we already have that around us when we lose loved ones. So whoever had the strength or ability or maybe it was a financial situation and it was this is as good as it's going to get and that's a great deal kind of thing and i i understand that money rules the roost unfortunately um but you know it looked fine i don't think there's anything going on there i really don't I, it's been such a long time and i think there's a misconception when something like this happens in a home or structure location People think that it goes on forever. Like a castle is haunted forever. Ooh, it's it's such a it's a two hundred year old castle. It still has ghosts. You know, I think there are layers, like an onion, where where there's movement of spirit energy and, or ghosts that can't move on, that can kind of parallel themselves into another structure or location. They kind of hide out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's no way of really defining what would be in the castle that's 200 years old that you think maybe as the story would go for one particular castle and people were tortured in the basement, blah, blah, blah. And King so-and-so was there and the family and all this stuff like the Hasbrook curse, for instance, um, at some point energy moves on and it dissipates. It just does. If we believe that we continue on after our physical shell is gone, then you have to go, then you have to take that and understand that it's the same belief should be applied to any structure or location of where there was a terrible happening of loss of life that eventually that too will dissipate and others that are fresher or newer in that vicinity might move in and that is what you are picking up on not of the original story of 200 years past and it's the same thing with amityville i i don't see how you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's its kind of nonsensical. We keep moving. Energy is not something you can stop. If you try to have an apocalyptic moment in Manhattan and it's everybody's gone, except for that one dog that runs across the street, like, how does that even happen? I don't even, I don't get that. It's like the walking dead. Hello. But there he is. You know, I'm like, oh, feed him. Somebody feed him. So, Let's say we have that apocalyptic moment. Guess what? Nature pushes through. The trees and the roots, they grow. Everything still pushes through. You cannot stop the cycle of life and energy, physical or not, because it's still all the same. And so that is my... Okay. So if there was a family that lived there and all these horrible things happened and then the next group or individuals moved in and they were full of love and light. I think I I read that it was an older couple who lived there for like 30 years or something. They had a wonderful time and wonderful experience. Wouldn't their love and their energy kind of counteract? um, Always. And that's a good lesson for, I think, people to understand when you're having a difficult moment in life, hardships, 
and it's negative and it brings anger, frustration, whatever, you're not in your best self. And so if you can flip it, like in the curse, flip in the house, if you can flip yourself as your own home, because this is your home, right? Mm -hmm. If you can flip it and push against what is so easy to do, which is anger, frustration, terrible thoughts, and say, no, I reject this. I control myself. I'm in control. I don't want to be this person. I'm going to be happy and I'll figure it out. I'll sort it out. There'll be a way, but I can't, I can't live like this anymore. Yes. You will project against what evil is. There are forces around you at all times that want to pull you to that side of, of negativity. If you have many souls coming together, converging and, and just loving each other and, you know, even seeing Kumbaya, I don't care. The point is, it's better than we worship Satan and all this crap. You know, it's like enough mm -hmm. with the Mala crap because all you're doing is inviting the the stuff that, that breaks this world. And so, yes, those people that moved in there were happy people. It was a beautiful home. They probably got a good deal. You know, it, it, it's a beautiful home. All the, this, yeah. the whole street is nice, you know? And so your home is your pinnacle point of respite you know you go there to decompress you leave there to go do what maybe you don't want to have to do because you have to do this you have to survive you have to earn blah 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 um your home is your your oyster that is your pearl that's where you should feel the safest and proud of you know and so yes if you emit a positivity and say i reject this i don't need to, i don't i feel i'm sorry but it's here we're here now in this moment we're living beings in this home we reject all of that everything's fine you really have more power and control than you think mm -hmm. exactly so let me ask you this i do want to let everybody know that's watching on youtube there's a link down in the chat to uh to to btv to watch uh, the yeah. amityville curse and there's also a link down there to alex's uh latest book the end is near which was published last year. Uh, but let me ask you this, uh, Alex, because um, I thought it was kind of interesting in the film. Uh, they actually started talking about uh, the idea of a tulpa, that there's you know enough, I mean, basically it's, it's based off of the uh, concept of the Buddhist thought form, that there's uh, enough energy put into um, you know, a, a thought form that it becomes a sentient being. So you know, over time, like he said, okay, you know, the, uh, you know, the energy dissipates, but at some point, is it possible that you could have enough people throwing, you know, their energy and their thoughts into what they believe is happening at this location that it could possibly end up manifesting somehow? Mm -hmm. Well, there's that, there's the power of manifestation, right? We hear this a lot more so than in prior years, it comes back around. Um, and, you can try to put your energy towards something and manifest it, but it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that quickly. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of soul work and a lot of spirit work and energy because every day when you try to stick to that same mantra and you wake up and you're not feeling it, it's not happening. And so it breaks in that chain. It's, it's, it's really difficult to manifest things. It takes a long time. Um, you have to really work at it. And so I think if it's, people coming together and they're projecting and they're trying to manifest or they are manifesting without intention, it would have to be like years worth of projections, like having to work on oneself in life as we grow and change and learn what we don't want, what we want, 
um, look back and say, how long did it take me to get to this point? Every seven years we change. So when you come up on a, you know, when you look back seven years ago, where were you to where you are now? Where are you going to be seven years from now? You are going to be a different person yet again. So the same thing with manifestation is it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, when we sit there and we try to manifest the job that we really want or, or, or the world that we really envision, that puts it in a pool with others that are doing it with you. And that's a collective. And it's a conscious collective that raises the vibration. And if we all did that, or even 50% of the realm did that, you would start to notice changes because that's how potent we can be. And with that vibration and energy and that manifestation will go further and longer as a group effort. But one person, a few people, it's, it's better than one, because again, like doing a seance, Mm -hmm. the more energy that's around that table, the, those that are in the space continuum that's coming through that wants to communicate will feed off of you. So the more of you, the more of them or the one that can come through more clear. So, you know, it, it's all just based on, for me, the theory of, um, it all is connected but to what degree, I think it's kind of like with the Schumann resonance, the higher the frequency, you know, you're supposed to feel really good at 528 Hertz of sound vibration, sound technology, sound healing without a scalpel touching you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is comes from us, but it also comes from tools and those tools are, and you've seen the videos um, of them of like moving water through sound. Right. So sound vibration or sand particles creates the flower of life or, you know, it creates pictures. So if you're not a good artist, but you know how to manipulate sound and you have all these grains of sand down flat, ready to go, and you hit your sound machine on, they start to create art that you created because you know how to operate sound. Yeah. A lot of that with cymatics is really interesting. And they, um, in China, there's that, uh, what do they call it? The like medicineless hospital where they're basically uh, using sound and chanting and intention uh, to, to cure people. So that's, it's, that it's is absolutely around, fascinating. It's, it's been around. It's the Tartarian mm -hmm. civilization. It's that tech. And so um, they even had sound uh, energy weapons and there's um, a lot of great photos online. They're huge meant for like giants, you know, and there's this huge long like cylinders and, you know, they, I guess, create such a potency of sound that you can get your enemy, you know, you whatever, you know. But, um, yeah, so manifestation is great and it has its purpose, but it's, it's, again, like everything else, you really have to see it, feel it, envision it, and you have to stick to your guns for that. Can people create situations, like if they go into a haunted location and they're hearing things or they think they see something or whatever, or they record something, then the mind goes wild, right? And so you have those people that, oh, I know I heard this. Or it's like, that's great. And that's your own perception. You can't argue that. That was that person's experience. But you have to have data. Yeah. You have to have something that backs up the possibility of what you heard or saw. Yep. A couple of questions here from the chat. Uh, from Jill Nemchinsky, has paranormal activity been reported at other homes in the neighborhood? 
That's a good question. I do believe um, I read somewhere years and years ago that there was uh, some people curious to see, well, are the other homes affected? Mm -hmm. You know, what happens in one? Would it happen next door and resonate? Um, I do believe that if, if the next door neighbors on either side or across the street had any experiences, it, you're dealing with personalities. So you might deal with people because of what happened, don't want to have anything to do with talking to anybody about anything. So if there's a ghost in their bedroom for like a minute, they'll be like, that's cool. That's fine. Just don't tell anybody you were here. Right. Because they don't, you know what I'm saying? That's their home. Yet again, it goes back to your home. You don't mm -hmm. want that in there. Um, I certainly wouldn't. You know, I'd be like, okay, never mind. Don't worry about it. Ghosty. Okay, good. There. I'll help you cross over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry what happened. Okay. Don't tell anybody. So um, I'm sure that it resonated. The energy travels, you know. Um, I don't think it was trapped forever there. You know, there was at some point that it started to move off. Um, whether there were other beings of light that came to help them move away from being entrapped. Um, I wouldn't doubt if one or two people were affected by what happened in that home, walking down the path, the street, pulling into their driveway. Um, sure. Why not? It's no different than if you work in an office building and there was something that was horrific that happened on that floor that you work that you have to still walk, walk on you're still going to you know your mind kind of sometimes go to those places where you might imagine feeling or seeing but if you go to your intuition your gut and you're really feeling off and it's not normal for you chances are you're connecting to that residual yeah something that always fascinated me um you know about the whole story of of the house was in the night of the murders was nobody ever heard any of the gunshots you know, they, the, the original Amityville horror movie made it, you know, it was a dark and stormy night and, you know, there was lightning and thunder, but there wasn't on the night of the murder. So, yeah. you know, I've always wondered if there was you know, some sort of strange, and I'm talking about like the energy of the property, if there was some sort of energetic barrier that may have prevented the sound waves from penetrating outward uh, so the rest of the neighbor could hear, could hear it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, you know, a very plausible um theory there's also the fact that you know the what if the gun had a silencer on it there's that you know you have to be realistic here but yes can a negative environment um happen here here's regardless of who committed the murders okay it happened right in that instance the intention was set forth that this family was going to be shot in cold blood so here's the intention here comes the the malice. Here comes the negative energy. Here comes all this stuff. Um, then they're gone. Their life has ceased to exist. Now they're they're moving off of the earth plane into limbo for a moment. And um, there can be a, a barrier around that for noise reduction um, if there is people believe in possession being taken over but you know what is possession if you cannot stay on the straight and narrow path and you have to have such evil inside of you and you're just not human essentially and you can go through this um even if it was a hit job let's say by the mob you are a cold-blooded killer period and it doesn't matter man woman or child or dog or cat you know um you're doing your job. That's what you do, you know, and um, it's no big deal to you because it's your paycheck and off you go. Um, 
that's that's the devil in that house at that moment if you want my opinion mm-hmm. and um can that also create uh you know a protection of sound that nobody would wake up absolutely because yet again energy is potent it's potent just because you can't always touch it or see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist just like a ghost you know so to me there's two plausible facts it's either that or there was a silencer on the gun but yet again there was so much commotion going on and there was definitely more than one person in the house committing this act it was obviously a hit yeah so well and i would have to to question um and again we're talking the mob what kind of police involved we know some of the evidence or a lot of the evidence went missing uh, as what was given to us as the public you know they say they found the murder weapon which did not have a silencer so what you know what pieces do we have and what's been fabricated right i think protection there you know look you know there's corruption you know i mean i know people you know and and some of our kids friends that have grown up their dads are cops blah 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 you know it's great and all but corruption runs rampant in the police force because it's part of the government and it's all connected and you have to feel safe and trusted all but why do you i don't i don't think so i think that the biggest thing here is the potential of a cover-up because like i said in the beginning of the show to quell the town's fears and and the the beautiful boating momentum of what the town offers and what they aim to strive to be um and to the tourism that was building up over the years from the 70s on onward up um you know there's money to be made and it doesn't bode well to have all the truth come out so when things go missing there's a reason for that it means you're being lied to Mm -hmm. so one other question I have, and then I want to move on to um, to your book. So, in Murder in Amityville, uh, your father does he does talk a bit about possession. In uh-huh. of course, that was Amityville too, the possession. So, um, was that you know, reflecting back on it all these years? Was that a part of this? Um, no, not really. Um, I think to some degree, you know, the whole thing with the case for murder in Amityville was the first time that possession was entered as a plea in in the courts. Mm -hmm. And my father was the first one to have access to DeFeo in the realm of paranormal investigation um, on two separate occasions, the first prison, and then they went and moved them upstate, not too far from us, which I didn't know till years after we're living here. I'm like, wait, what, what prison is he at? Where is that? Oh my God. It's like, I think I'm like, thanks dad. So, um, you know, and he, we have the audio recordings of my father talking to DeFeo. And at one point in the tape, he tries to hypnotize DeFeo. God bless my father. Honestly, he He tried to hypnotize him. Yes. Because he did did trans trans digression therapy to learn about people's past lives he did it all i'm telling you it was like so funny he had the doctor's couch and everything which of course we have here at the house (laughs) Um, (laughs) yep 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 and and that sleepy the whole thing so um i love it when you do his voice (laughs) 
like in the past, you know, now, now listen, everybody. So um, he tries to do hypnosis with DeFeo. And we're listening to this, you know, and I'm just like, oh, daddy, daddy, daddy. Because I'm of a different school of thought and mind. And I, I respect and believe he's my father. But there are, right. I don't agree with everything either. You have to understand that. Sure. So he puts him in a try to hypnosis. And so we're listening to it. I'm like, okay. And he, you know, in the session, he really believed that there was something in the house that everybody heard it. And oh yeah, my mother, my mother saw things. My father saw things. You know, oh yeah, we all experienced things. Yeah. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. how he talked. And um, then my father's counting backwards with him and going through this process. He's like, are you relaxed? Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, I just yeah. tried. He really tried because he wanted to find out the source of memory from being taken over by, by an entity. Now, could the angry Indian chief from the book Murder in Amityville have created such ruckus? I don't doubt it because you have heard of curses. You've heard of uh, Egyptian curses. Hello? You're never going to catch me raiding anybody's tomb. I don't care how much gold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's fine. I'm okay. It's all good. But they've kind of are all been raided already in in Egypt. Well, yeah, but there's or have they? There's a there's or have they? Don't, don't forget the um, treasures that have been kept from us. Yeah, this is true. Yes. That have already been taken that you don't even know about. Um, oh, there's, but, there's plenty of. I mean, that's. Well, Smithsonian came out years ago and admitted that they hid a lot of, like the giant bones, the giants, mm -hmm. and other tech. Yeah, they destroyed them. Well, when I was in Egypt, and this is a like real sidebar. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> Temple of Dendera, uh, the second crypt that they have opened up, which is not really a crypt. There weren't bodies there, but it's a it's a passageway under the the uh, temple. Yeah. And we were, they told us we were like the first group in there after they had opened it up for 20 years. And you're going in there. They've got all, you know, beautiful friezes on the wall and depictions. But then there's like these large blocks that have been taken out. And you're not seeing any rubble or anything like on the floor. And you look and you're seeing these fresh chisel marks. You know, they're, they're pretty white. And it's like, what's going on here? So I asked one of the guys, you know, kind of pulled him off to the side. He's like, you know, I, I can't say who it was that told me because they don't, you don't want to get in trouble, but okay. I'm asking what's going on down here. And basically it was, you know, private collectors came in, picked out the important power pieces that had that ancient esoteric knowledge. And, you know, they had a bidding war on this stuff and took those blocks. What did I say? It all comes down mm -hmm. to one common denominator money. Yeah. And that's what needs to stop is this need for money. If we all have what we need, which we can, then it's a non-issue. And and this is the problem with it. And this is why, and that to me is even such ill intention in that environment. You know, if I was in that tomb, you know, if laying there, I would come back and I'd be like, you mother effer. That's it. I curse you because <laughs> you're going to throw up green and die in 24 hours. That's it. Um, the curses are real. And, you know, these people that do these things, you know, I mean, how good of a life do you really think they're going to have? You think they're going to be blessed with good health? Well, unless you have a great um, medical bed that takes you back 40 years and takes any ailments from you, which they do exist, um, that kind of tech, well, then I guess you're good to go. 
but chances are you don't have that tech. It's in the higher ups, I believe. Um, I think that the ancients um, protect it and, and we're not ready for that. You know, I think it's coming, but look at what we do to each other. And then you like this example. I mean, wh who, who does that? Greedy, narcissistic. It goes against everything in the Bible. And it doesn't matter what you believe in. You know, it, it's the point of reference that you have to have some sort of structure of, of positive intent in your life. Otherwise, it's not going to be a pleasant ride at some point. Um, but I, I think that there are curses. I do believe that, um, like with the Native Americans, you know, they also had the same kind of structure and belief system, like with the Egyptians. Oh, they did, yeah. How, how they buried their dead, you know, of course, they created you know, um, a different way of doing it uh, versus choosing underground. You actually had some, in the shadow people, I think you had some great uh, footage of the mounds, which yeah. are everywhere. Mm -hmm. found, um, everywhere. Yeah, no, so, you know, um, you have to understand that our debt is being displayed below and above. And uh, it's ritualistic, but it's a belief system because they had to pay respect to it. What do we do? We desecrate, we steal, we bargain. We say, ah, I'm a billionaire. Let me get in there and take out the most important stuff. And then you, Mike, you can go on your pee on after the fact. But right. you're the first one in there. The <laughs> <laughs> first one in there. Like, hey, Thank wait a second. Thank you. Yeah. Get out. Now, did they seal it because, or I'm sorry, did they appropriate it because they're rich and powerful? Or did they appropriate it because, um, like Hitler in the Sword of Destiny, you know, he wanted that power and there was something supernatural yep. or esoteric about that yeah, yes part and that yes. was chiseled okay. they, they had the money to do it and they believe by having those pieces and having the knowledge you're going to have the power money. Yeah. you can't get anything like that without money because money talks yeah yeah for now for well yeah <laughs> bye, -bye. um right. but you know it, it just it just further institutes what's wrong with this realm but not to get off point so we got about 15 minutes left in the show. Let's talk about your, your book that you published last year, The mm -hmm. End is Near. And so this is actually a uh, young adult fiction novel, basically about the end times. So, Alex, what can you tell us about this? Mike, I don't know. <laughs> I need to go pick it up and read it. Um, well, first, I'm very proud to see that one of our daughters did the artwork and conception for the cover because my yeah, mother, fantastic. My father, yeah, she did great. You know, um, she she's won all sorts of awards when she was in high school, and she commissions art now. Um, she's in vet tech school right now, but um, this is her passion. You know, mm -hmm. and my mother used to do a lot of the cover art for my father in illustration form like that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really special. I said, you know, this book we're going to do, you're going to do what my mother and father used to do. And you're going to do that. So I had to have her read the whole book, which is not a big book. It's like, it's for young adult. It's a quick yeah. read because my whole, my whole point was to get them to read a story and think about what if we were put in, I'm not talking about apocalyptic films left and right. I wrote this story um, probably about 18 years ago, 17 years ago. And it's been sitting and sitting. And then I went to revamp it. And I said, no, not ready yet. And then I tried. And I'm like, you know, with these publishers, it's like, meh, it's got to fit this list. It's got to, I said, you know what? I'm just forget it. Because everything's now more indie anyway. More people are just yeah. publishing themselves. And 
being very successful doing it that way. Um, grassroots is really where we're at anyway. And um, so I had to work on it again and reread it. And I said, this is really very scary because it, it correlates to what's happening now. I bring up the Vatican in the story, mm -hmm. and, um, reptilian, serpent. Um, you've got humans, but you've got non-human. And I think when I wrote it, you would think that the first main characters would obviously be a ghost or something like that because of who I am and where I come from. But she's not, and I won't talk about who she is because I really wish people would just pick up the book and read it, um, you know. And there's a message in the story of starting out one way, which isn't happy and pleasant, and going through these struggles, and then and then everything starts to oh thank you I'm gonna tell her you said that, um, yay, and so. Um, you know, it's a culmination of, of kind of like when you're on the road and here comes the person that you shouldn't pick up, but you do. And then here's another person here's, and it starts to become a group of people that converge, but you have to learn why they're converging. They don't know each other really. And something bigger than them is happening. And of course I, I end up putting them in Rome and why is that? And I didn't know anything. I was, I had no clue about the Vatican. There's a lot of stolen treasures there. The money, people oh, yeah. don't understand how corrupt Italy is and the 13 families go look it up. This is real. And I think more now than ever this year, a lot of people know this, you know? And so I didn't know any of this, you know, almost two decades. I had no clue. I was just, you know, intuitively. And yet you're writing about it. Yeah. Right. And so here we have an opportunity with you. I said, can we do this? You said, yes, even though you really couldn't because you are doing this, this, and that. So, <laughs> a little all over the place. Yeah. Right. So I said, oh, God, I'm never going to get this thing done. And then I had my daughter do the cover. And I said, We're, we've got to get this done. And it, there's a message in there. And I think if people read it, they'll understand what's happening right now. And the fact that I didn't write it right now. I didn't write it last year or the year before then mm -hmm. or years before. So there there is something that is at play and yes it involves god but anything that's worth winning a spiritual battle is is sometimes decades if not almost a century in the making to when you have finally the release now of course the title i thought would be on point to explain to people what does that mean there are other books that i saw that actually have a title like that and i was like of course mm -hmm. But mine means something. That's right. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, it's it's very prophetic, actually. And it, it's weird because I don't see myself that yeah, way. That's also. funny because I was going to ask you that question. Do you believe it's prophetic? <laughs> How did I know that? Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. I don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> oh, I get it like a digital one. Um I'm sure there's yeah. an app for that. Yeah. I can't stand it. I'm I'm going back into the 50s or 60s. I want off of this 2000 and shit. Um, yeah, uh, it is prophetic. And it came from my mind. And I, I love writing for children and young adults. I have tons of children books sitting on my desktop. Um, because I have such joy in pulling him into a world that I can envision that I would love to be in myself. Bed knobs and broomsticks was one of my favorite books. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah. done with Angela Lansbury. And I mm, just, yeah. 
I mean, I would be in my room. I had the, it wasn't brass, but from Austria we had imported was the uh, wooden headboard with the knobs at the end. Mm -hmm. So I would be there with my black hat, Sylvia. And I'd sit there, <laughs> seriously, at night doing this. I'm going to get so loud. And it kept going. And I'm like, I'm getting it. And it went, I said, son of a. Because I wanted to fly out the window on the bed. Right. I had the bed like all ready to go. I had pillows propped up so she wouldn't fall off like when we were flying. <laughs> I even cracked my window open to get ready to go off of into the Hudson River because it's what I faced. And right. the George Washington Bridge was off to the right. Nope, to no avail. I basically broke my head post knob. And my father came in, I think it was two or three days later, he noticed. He says, Alex. I said, Yes, Daddy. He said, What is wrong with your bed? It's gone, Pete. <laughs> I said, Well, I don't know. I think Sylvia was playing with it. She thought it was a big ball to play with. I don't know. <laughs> toys. It's not my fault. <laughs> awesome. Fix it. So he picks it up. He tries to put it on. He goes, I get glue. I said, what? what's glue? He goes, glue. I said, oh, glue. Okay, glue. <laughs> got crazy glue. He, crazy yeah, glue. there you go. On my bed. And then you never traveled. That's one of my favorite movies, and I rewatched it like two years ago. And I was like, oh. Uh, us too. I, I, can't, I can't believe all the stuff I missed as a kid. And then, you know, I'm seeing all this. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> hmm, that flew right over. Yeah, a lot of that stuff you have to go back and rewatch. Yeah. It's definitely different watching it as an adult. You know, oh, I yeah. see. Like you ever watch things and you're like, you look at it with a different perspective because it goes back to the point of the show, which I was telling you guys, we cannot stay the same. We have to evolve whether we want it or not. You can be stubborn like my sister, Oive. You can sit in this, this narrative in your mind. Now, now, blinders on like the four horse in Manhattan with the blinders, you know. But at some point, it's coming around in your face, and you're going to have to see it. You're going to mm -hmm. process it whether you like it or not. Whether you choose to accept it is, is a different story. But at some point, it will defeat you because change is inevitable. Energy is in constant motion. We are all connected. You know, there's always somebody that will feel connection to somebody else. It doesn't matter where in this realm. It really doesn't. Are we not all the same? Now, minus the evil yeah. people. Because they are. Because they are. Those are the demons. And of course, anything that comes out of a uh, crypt from below in any parts, not just Egypt, Israel, Africa, there's other parts, Turkey. Um, no, thank you. I respect you. That's good. Bandages and all, I'll help you rewrap re them. Go back to where you are. <laughs> no problem. Keep them in the crypt. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you mentioned earlier you have uh, you're working on other things with uh, Amy Deville as far as like possible film. Uh, are you working on another book at all? Boy, well, when my six year old is maybe eight or nine, I could probably get to it. Um, it's impossible. I have I have books on the computer. Mm -hmm. um, I have a couple of screenplays. Um, and right now, see, the problem, I'm so divided because I have to keep doing for dad. I have to, you know, so we have, um, we're talking, you know, to Dennis right now to create something called for the Holzerverse for oh, film. Okay. Like a film. Very cool. And so guess what happens? The writer strike. 
Yeah. And then he's Canadian. Then these fires happen. I'm like, yay, I am cursed. Didn't I tell you I was cursed? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so here we go. So there's a bit of delay it's in Alex that. Alex curse. It's the, it's, it's, it's the whole. <laughs> the holes are cursed. Okay. So um, we're working on waiting on that so we can get something going to pitch for a feature film. Um, and then the, uh, there's another book that my father wrote for fiction that is got the interest um, for film, uh, it would be for TV. Um, so okay. that I'm waiting on. Um, then of course, uh, I don't know if you guys, you see what happened with the merger years ago. Now we're at this point, I think it's been two, three years with discovery and yeah. the discovery network with time Warner, at t And I don't know what, let's throw an IHOP McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. BlackRock. There's, yeah. there's a lot of companies and it seems to have affected a lot of shows and networks. Right. Yeah. So our show for, for scripted for my father, which we were raring to go contracts mm -hmm. and all, we were right there. They wanted it put on hold. That was last year. Now going Oof. into this year. Well, we're going on to other networks now. So we're having mm -hmm. to like other people having to move our product to other places. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot going on for my father. It's just basically being patient um, mm -hmm. and the timing of it because things have changed, right? So we yeah. would have been on Discovery again a, a year ago. So um, personally for me, I am in contract developing for my own series finally. That took about oh, great. 12 years, 13 years to come back around. The last time I had a contract in a little while for myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it started out and I had, I, I used to film a lot of reels and we were pitching for years and I would mm -hmm. you sign, you sign for a year or, or if not more, and you have to wait and be patient and they have to pitch and you have to do that. And then it's like, we love you, but are the, and I'm not, not knocking you, but as a woman, as for a lead to, to do something like this, that actually comes from the real thing not just cast it for a show because hey it'd be fun and cool to ride around and be in an rv and ghost hunt there there's a show <laughs> dude well, I why don't you start your own channel I've no, said that no, before. No. <laughs> you know i want to do this really professionally and i love okay. how the production companies they really know what they're doing most of them not all of them there is a need of eloquence and class that um must happen in order to do this and it has to be done properly um so finally have the interest back again the problem though is of course you're dealing with networks so i understand what you're saying mm -hmm. I mean, yeah i could go and do that but it would be like why you know i mean there are specifics that i want to cover certain people whose backgrounds that i want to be around um, that are scientific, that are parts of how my father used to work and parts of the tools that he used that I want to bring back because it's my tools. Like I told you, 50s, 60s, 70s. And so I'm, I represent the past. I am nostalgic. And that's really, to me, the premise of what, what a series would be um, because there's so much of the past that we forget about or are remiss to even look at because we're so focused on TikTok, gadgets, 
five second microwave storytelling, but there is a huge audience out there that doesn't want that, that yeah. rejects that. And so we have a, there's a place for us too. And so we go back into the paranormal time machine and we basically create an ensemble, if you will, of the past with the present. So I'm, I'm kind of a hybrid and there's nobody else out there that has that. So I was born into this for a very specific reason. It just takes forever to get there. I, I don't just get to walk on a show like some people and Hey, there it is. It's great. You know, and you know, that's great for people that they have opportunities like that, but let's not fool ourselves. There are genuine people that were born into this and have taken it seriously and have always been re respectful and online. I've never said anything that hasn't been true and I've never backtracked anything I've said. I don't create drama or chaos. I'm not a clown show. I don't, dance and fart and jump for likes and clicks and shares i could give a rat's you know what i think that's just infantile and when people yeah. do that you have to really look at who you're following because that that's who you give respect to okay speaks volumes of that person you know mm -hmm. so that's just my two stands <laughs> and there's <laughs> there's cat love the old school concept can't wait to see your new show alex me neither. Sheesh, let's hurry up already. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it going on. So. Try it. Slow. I know you have tried because I've known you for a long time, Alex. I know. You always work your ass off. Yeah. Well, you know, I do it behind the scenes, and I think people don't realize that. I, I help people all the time online, on the phone. I do it because it's my duty to help souls that feel lost. Um and understand about even when their animals die and what's happening and a change or shift or should they move what should they do you know i just tap in and then i do medically as well over the years you know and that just kind of came on you know and i don't display it much you know it's on my website that people can can do that with me but i don't i don't push it i don't call myself medium alexandra holzer you know because we're all kind of intuitive, aren't we? So if you kind of box yourself in and say, I'm a psychic, I'm a me, it's like, I think that's all labeling. Like my father was given the term ghost hunter, but that was already a term with Harry Price. You know, it wasn't yeah. anything new. It was called marketing. And I understand that. But when you see all of these coming out of the woodwork over the years and then reality shows and all this stuff, it's so much of it and then there's not enough of it meaning that you don't have a lot of choices you only get to see what they choose to put out so if you have maybe five or six shows there could be 20 or 30 other shows of real people doing the work that are productive and are getting data and and educating the people that would never want to do something like that but want to learn about it on air right but yeah. you can't you can't get in there it's got to be the select few and then they become the experts that's the opposite of what my father stood for he worked with so many different types of people from around the world because everybody had something to offer. And if they didn't, he'd say, okay, bye-bye. It's not working. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are at our hour mark, actually a couple minutes past. So uh, Alex, <laughs> I want to give the last, I know it's, it just, it goes by quick and we could have so much more to talk about, um, especially with the subjects we were talking about before we went live. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to give the last moment here uh, for you to let people know, um, you know, where they can find you, what to expect from you, anything you want to plug or, or market here for a moment. Oh, that's so kind of you. You wee lad over there being so nice to me. Um, I don't know. I just want people to, to pay attention 
I appreciate support. Obviously, I feel like I'm trying to catch up with others um, that seem to be far ahead. And I don't know why that is, but there it is. Uh, you know, support's the biggest thing anybody can ask for in their passion and their their futuristic goal to see what's ahead. And um, they can find me online. They know Twitter. Well, the, the Twitter, I call it. Facebook. Uh, um, I got off of Instagram because they didn't want to verify me yet. I had about 18 accounts impersonating me week after week proof. I took my stupid license photo thing. I did all that stuff. And then Facebook writes me back because it's the same company, which by the way, verified me 12 years ago on my Mm -hmm. public page. But yeah, okay. That makes sense. And so I said, you know what? I got off of Instagram. I don't need them. And then they were recently tied to uh, supporting pedophilia. So you know what? Good for me. Oh, were they? I don't need them. Yep. Yeah. They they support and promote pedophilia. So got to be careful of of how much do we need of personal attention. We can sell our products elsewhere. You know, we really can. And um, support, which is why I said it's the most biggest thing you can do for anybody like us here tonight because we really are good people and we have a lot of really interesting, fascinating things to teach you. Absolutely. So, all right, everybody, uh, please go check out, uh, curse of Amityville. So the links are down there in the description, curse of Amityville. And then the end is near, go check out both of those links that I have down there. Alex, again, always a pleasure to have you on board. Thank you so much. And, uh, being our first guest back. um, I hope it was good to see you. I'm not online. I don't pay attention to anything. So if anything's going on, I know you, you, you'll be fine. You've had a change. Something's happened with you. Um, but I'm not, I'm not online. I'm really, I go, I go on the, the, the twatter ah, because that's, that's <laughs> it's where, you know, that and my public Facebook page, I'm not on my private one anymore. I just, why my mother's on there. That's why she's on my friends list. I, I just don't want to post on there. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was, cause when I was tagging you on, on posts uh, and like Facebook and all that, you know, taking a peek and like, yeah, Alex hasn't posted a lot on the, on the, uh, personal one for nope. a while, but you had uh-huh. stuff on the public side. So, yeah. Yep, I'm off of there. I don't I have no interest, but I know some things with you's happen and you'll be okay. Everybody's gonna be okay. You just have yeah. to be calm. He's smiling. Uh, Did something happen? Coming. Mike got engaged. Mike. Oh, for me, yeah. I got engaged. Mike's I got engaged. Yeah. I guess since you haven't been on the personal side, then you missed what? that. No, yeah. I don't care. I don't want to know. I'm just Yeah, like, no, I got engaged last week. Yeah. I am stunned. I'm happy. But Thank I didn't you. think you would do that. Like it's, to, well, you know, the past is the past. <laughs> I knew that you were moving on. I knew that you had ended something that didn't serve a purpose anymore for both of you. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and he Mike needed some boldly gone. No <laughs> man wants to go again. Marriage? What's that? Run if you can. Um, but with you, <laughs> well, you know, listen. <laughs> God bless you for doing that again, because um, I did. You did, yeah. I did. And then I got pregnant again when I shouldn't have. So so you don't have to have that issue, just say. <laughs> oh, that, that, yeah, that, that part is not happening. <laughs> Cursed. The we all happened. learn from the starter marriage. So, yeah. My red room. Right. <laughs> no, I'm really, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. you. Uh, is she online or? 
I'll have to go. Oh, she is. I, I don't know if she's still down. She was in the chat earlier, so I don't know if oh, she is. But yeah. Okay. We'll tell her I give her big love and smooches, and I'm so that warms the cockles of me heart. Yeah, one of these times we're through New York. I know we've said it before. We'll we'll connect. So um, yeah, no, we're you know. here. Unless yeah. there's an apocalypse, <laughs> we'll be on the roof going woo. But um, and then there'll be that one dog. Yeah, the dog runs through. And I will be grabbing my my dog's food and going to feed that dog. I promise. <laughs> while I oh, get eaten, and, and yep, she's there. Hi. What's what's her name? Her name's Jennifer. Jennifer, how pretty. Hi, That's Jennifer. So Congratulations. And yeah, we go all the way back. We were in first grade together. She was actually uh, my first kiss, my first kiss in the library at uh, at the school. Yeah. Oh, look at that. I love it. Well, it comes full circle. When you're meant to be, you're meant to be. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And other stuff doesn't serve its purpose, but in the moment it did, or you can't get out of it, or you think I need to still keep trying. Eventually, push comes to shove, energy says, nope. So good for you. I'll let you two go. Right. I'm so happy for you both. That's so exciting. I'll have to go look now online. Great. <laughs> All right. Have a great night, Alex. Bye, Alex. Bye, guys. Bye -bye. Much Bye -bye. love.